Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by Craig Cody, a certified tax coach, a certified public accountant for 15 years, plus business owner, and former New York City police officer with 17 years experience on the force. Craig has co-authored an Amazon best-selling book, Secrets of a Tax-Free Life, and undergoes extensive and continued annual training to stay on top of the various tax planning techniques and strategies available. I've asked him to join us here today to talk about the profit center most of us are overlooking and treating as an expense in our business taxes. Craig, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me. Very Thanks. excited. Yeah, it's an honor and a pleasure. And, you know, this might not necessarily be a sexy topic, but I tell you, the more money that I make in my business, the more that this is becoming sexy to me because it's one of the biggest expenses you have in your life for taxes, right? In fact, it might be the biggest expense. It's all about keeping more of what you make. Right. Yes. I'm glad you said that too, because so many people get caught up. I'm in a lot of different business circles and people are like, yeah, I mean, perfect example. I know a guy, his business went from 5 million to 40 million. And he said, Daryl, I took home more money at the end of the year when my business only did 5 million than I do now that it does 40, which for me was insane. I was like, that is so insane. Why is that? And part of it's like overhead and staff and other things, right? And he's investing and you know this. But I think taxes is also a big part of that, right? Like as you get bigger, you get scrutinized more. You have to be careful. If you're making under a certain amount, maybe you kind of squeak through a bit easier. But I think for anyone here that's listening to the call that has any size business, it's probably going to be a very interesting conversation just to hear some of what you have to say about it and how to turn it into a profit center. Because I know for 90% of the people out there, they think it's an annual expense. You're very correct. You know, most people, if they're going to expand their business, they do some planning, right? People right. don't plan when it comes to the taxes. Right, right. Yeah, that's so true. And then they get a big, scary wake-up call. In fact, you're in, if you can't tell, he's in the States. I'm up in Canada right now. And I got hit with that. I was advised by a friend of mine who was a CPA. I remember I just launched my business, and it was a couple of months before April. And I was all worried about taxes. And he said, Daryl, you know what? Don't worry about your taxes. You just got started. Most businesses don't even survive or pay any tax the first year or two. Just survive. So that's what I did. I focused on surviving. And I remember I survived so well. Finally, a couple years have passed. I was like, I haven't done my taxes. I should probably do my taxes. And I remember I hired this lady to do my taxes for me, and she was pregnant. 
and she was on the verge of having her baby and she wasn't sure about doing my stuff because she was going to be going to labor and she agreed to do it anyways. And I could have looked for somebody else. So it's not like there was like, I had to have her, but it was just, she was humming and hawing and took it on. And then she came back and said something like I was going to owe six or 10 grand in taxes. And I was like, that's impossible. My buddy said that I wouldn't owe any money my first couple of years. And so I was like, I want a second opinion. And so she said, sure, that's fine. And then she had her baby and all this stuff happened and I never got my stuff back from her. And fast forward, like later that year, it's like November, end of November, and my business had moved. This is when I had my martial arts school. We'd move, we had a new phone number, new address, but not what was registered with the tax office. And I remember it was the last day of November, and I'd had such a good November, I could have paid all my expenses. Sorry, I know this is your interview, but this feeds into it, I promise. It sets the stage, because I had a great November. I could have paid all my December bills, all my January bills, bought Christmas presents for my family, and still had money left over. That's how good my November was. And it was the last day of November. It was like November 31st or 30th or whatever. And I remember I'd hired this girl on Fiverr to do some graphic work for me, and I went to go pay her. And my bank accounts, I went to my online banking, and all my bank accounts were at zero. And my credit card was frozen and nothing was available. I didn't know what was going on. I was freaking out. The government had frozen my bank accounts and my credit cards and basically tried to seize everything they could because apparently they'd been calling the old phone number and mailing letters to our old address telling me I need to file my claim. And they just shut my account down. And so instead of having like this wonderful Christmas where like my business is booming and everything's going great, I started December 1st like basically four to six grand in debt. Like, you know, because I had my rent to pay and my staff and all this stuff. And anytime money was put into that bank account, it just was taken out right away. And then anytime an auto debit was done, I get that damn stupid NSF fee because there was no funds in there. So it was a nightmare scenario. I ended up getting it all done and sending it all back in. And I didn't owe them a penny. I was right to get a second opinion. And this is why having you here is so important. That first lady didn't know what she was doing. She would have cost me six to 10 grand. So I finally got everything back and everything was okay. But it took like a month, month and a half to get it done properly and sent in. And then it took them like three months to pay me, right? They pay me a little piece, but they took it all at once, right. you know? And so that was so stressful because I had to get a new bank account made because anytime money was deposited in those accounts, it was just gone right away. My credit cards weren't working. I had to go to a new bank, new bank account. I had to point everything there. It was so stressful. And I've had two other mentors in my life come to me and be like, just pay your taxes, Daryl. Daryl, just pay, like, because they had similar things. So for anyone listening to this, that minute, two-minute story I just told, it doesn't have to be your story. Again, tax might not seem sexy, but this is just a really important topic. And forgive me for going on that rant, but it's because I have my own personal experience for having not taken taxes seriously And it created what should have been one of my most celebrated holiday seasons and turned it into one of my most stressful ones. That's a big ouch. Well, I'm sure you hear that all the time. Yes. Once or twice I've heard that. Once or or twice. (laughs) (laughs) So before we even get into that, how did you get started? Like, what were you doing before you came into owning your own business? You were a member of the police force. Did you have your business while you were a cop? Like, how did you get into the entrepreneurial I retired and I went to work for a firm that did a lot of international work. Mm-hmm. And I did that for a number of years and then I slowly went out on my own. And then I guess five years ago, I opened up the real business and started hiring employees. And here we are today. Hmm, that's awesome. Accounting and taxes was actually, you know, something that always interested me. Always Got it. Interested. And Tax planning came out of estate tax planning. Mm. You know, years ago, there was a lot of estate tax planning in the states that had to be done. Then they changed the limits, pushing them to 10 to 15 million dollars. So there was a lot less of that. And we looked at some of the tax estate plans we did and we saw the amount of taxes we were saving people. 
Mm. And, you know, we morphed into that and I got together with a team and here we are today. And it's really exciting when you could sit down and show somebody, you know, how much money you're saving them. Right. And so is there like a ballpark, like on average, is there like a percent? Like, how do you gauge that for someone? Like, what's the ROI for a lot of people, I guess you could say? on The ROI is four to five times usually. So we like to be able to sit down and do a plan with someone and we're saving them fifteen to $20,000 at a minimum. Right, right, so, which is awesome. And we figure that out by we analyze the tax returns, we look at the business returns and the personal, and we look for missed deductions and missed opportunities, and we come up with an estimate, and the estimate is always on the low side. And if they decide to work with us, we put together a tax plan. Mm, that's awesome. And our tax plan fees are 100% refundable, and nobody's ever asked for their money back. Right, right, right. It's instant right. gratification. Right. Well, saving someone five, 10, 20 grand plus, you know, I'm not going to ask for a refund if you help me save some money. So that's awesome. And I think it really does just come down to poor planning. I mean, you would know way, way better. So what are some of the challenges though? Like in running an accounting business, that's a common business, not in any way do I say that in a derogatory term, but they're everywhere, a lot of accounting practices. So were there some challenges and obstacles that you had to face? Was it just such a well-paved path that you've just kind of been up and running since day one? Obviously, in any business, there's always challenges, but in the accounting profession, you know, most accountants and CPAs are very good at what they do, okay? Mm -hmm. But they're very good at putting the right numbers in the right boxes and doing all the compliance work. They're not being proactive, okay? Mm. And when you're able to be proactive, you can actually create some real value for somebody, mm-hmm. okay? So then it's not just about, you know, well, he's charging me X and you're charging me Y. Okay, now it's, oh, you're delivering this value to me. Okay, Uh now uh I know why I'm working with you. And clients would rather work with you because you're showing them the value that you're providing to them. Uh 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 Yeah, and it's so funny because often like that lack of ambition I forget what I was reading recently, but it was talking about like showing up late and leaving early, like just actually having passion and interest in what you're doing can make such a huge difference. So what were some of the biggest challenges for you then? Really hiring people as in any business is a challenge. We have a great team here. We hire very selectively and then getting the word out there, you know, the different ways to do it. Marketing is, you know, I hate to say it's not what you know, it's how you get the word out there about what you know. Because you could be the greatest guy in the world. If they don't know that you can do this for them, you can't help them. Uh, uh, So uh. running a business and doing the marketing is very challenging. Uh, uh, uh. Got it. So how did you overcome some of those? I mean, you said one that you hire selectively, which I think is hire slow, fire quick is the expression. Correct. Correct. And we have a lot of systems in place and systems allow me to work more on my business versus in it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I obviously still review everything that goes out the door and I'm the big picture person and I do all the tax planning, but you know, we have really qualified CPAs and we have systems in place to make sure everything gets done and there's checks and balances and you need to put systems in place. Otherwise you're going to be the guy there and you're going to be there by yourself and you're going to be there till 10 o'clock every night and you're not going to have any life. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So can you give me an example of a system or describe one? One system we have in place is we use a certain type of software and that tracks every project that we're doing, okay? And as the project is completed, it rolls into the next system, whether it's a monthly project, a quarterly project, an annual project, uh-huh. okay? So everything goes into the system and we know where it's at, who has it, 
okay? And that relieves a lot of anxiety, okay? Because uh-huh. you know nothing's flowing through the cracks. I mean, it's a big time saver because everybody knows what they're doing and where they're going next. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Well said. All right, let's talk about other business owners and probably some of the people listening to this call. What are some of the major mistakes you see people making? I mean, I'm sure at this point, after having done this for what, what was I say at the intro, 15 years? Yes. I mean, it's probably not a lot of new stuff, but what are the common things that like, all right, you got this thorn, this thorn, and this thorn. Like, what are the self-inflicted wounds people are giving themselves? The biggest common mistake is wrong entity selection. Really? Okay. Wrong entity selection. Okay. Okay. That's not rocket science, right? Right. But, you know, typically somebody, they go to their attorney or they listen to a friend and they form an entity and there's no thought that goes into it. And sometimes that entity selection can have a big impact on the taxes you pay and how you pay those taxes versus Mm. what we try and counsel people to do is, you know, let us talk with your attorney. Okay, let's work as a team. He knows the legal reasons to do the entity that you want to do or he wants to do. And we know the tax reasons and let's figure it out and, and get it right and save you some money. So Mm. entity selection is a big part of it. Taking the actual time to plan, okay? Communicating with your CPA or your advisor on a regular basis. If you don't talk to him until March or February or April, there's not a whole lot he can do. He's looking in the rearview mirror. You want to be communicating on a regular basis. Mm. So, So we got wrong entity selection, taking the time to plan, And then the next one is communicating with your CPA before taxes are due, right? Correct. You know, you want to be doing that all year round, okay? You don't want to be planning at the end of the year. You want to kind of integrate it. So, you know, the more you know what's going on, the more things you can do. You know, the tax code is huge. Mm. I hate to call them loopholes, but we'll call them loopholes. There's a lot of loopholes in there that you can take advantage of that the wealthy are taking advantage of. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they have the time and the ability to afford to hire someone like yourself to go through and find those loopholes for them, right? Correct. But you know what? You don't have to be wealthy to hire somebody like us to right. have a tax plan. You know? Right, I mean, right, right, if right. If you're Warren Buffett, you have that team in place already, okay? But if you're the typical business owner, you may not have that team. And if you have a team in place, they may not be looking, you know, to… Proactively. Exactly. They're just trying to file paperwork and write invoices. So are those kind of the main three, wrong entity selection, not taking time to plan and not communicating with their CPA before the tax bill is due? Right, because when you take those into account, that's when the additional things you can be doing, such as, you know, a Section 105 plan to write off all your medical expenses, accountability plans to make sure everybody's taking the right amount of additional deductions that they're allowed to do, all right? Mm-hmm. So. In those communications, that's how you figure out, okay, these are the different things I can be doing that I'm not doing, or this is what I have going on, all right? I have rental real estate, but I have all these passive losses that I'm not getting the benefit of. What can I do? How can I take advantage of them, okay? Mm. And when you have time, you can plan for that, and you can figure out, okay, what can I do? What kind of additional entity can I set up that's going to produce passive income? Mm. It's almost like, you know... You're shifting money from one pocket to another. And as long as you do it legally, mm-hmm. it works. Right, 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 right. Got it. So you're talking about kind of tax sheltering by having multiple investments or even multiple businesses, perhaps, but not all of them are making a profit. And together, the net is a lower tax bill. Correct. Right, right. Legally, of course. Most definitely. Because if you don't do it right, it's not worth doing. 
Right. Like, I'm 33 at the time of this recording. I know guys that are still dealing drugs I've known since kids. And I'm like, dude, you're an entrepreneur. Why don't you just get into a business that you're not going to go to jail for? Like, why not? You have customers. You have a product. Like, you've got to figure everything out. Why? Why would you do that? Why would you be in a business that's going to get your kids or yourself or your family? Like, it's just so stupid. So, but again, it's that lack of foresight. So, now... When you say taking the time to plan, for a lot of people out there, tax is like this big bag, scary boogeyman that there's going to jump out and get them someday. So what do you mean by taking the time to plan? How do I plan my taxes? Don't I just pay them? How do you plan your taxes? Can you expand on that a little bit? I'll go into the way it would work when we plan with somebody. Okay. And, you know, we get calls from people all over the country and, you know, the way it works is they send us their tax returns, their business returns, their personal returns. We review them and we look for those missed opportunities and deductions. Then we put together a simple one-page outline. We schedule a half-hour call and we go through it with them and we see this is what we think we could save you, okay? And if they decide to go forward, so they've wasted, you know, an email maybe and a half hour of their time. Hmm. And then if they decide to work with us, we have another phone call. And then it's a matter of implementation. You know, it's sad to say, but somebody can tell you to do something and you probably won't do it. But if you pay somebody to tell you to do something, you're more than likely going to do it. Yeah. No, I don't know why that is. I'm not sure what psychological loophole that is, since we're using the word loophole. It bothers me all the time. I'll go and I'll see someone. I'm like, you seem like a reasonable person. And I'll like, perfect example, I went to this great sushi restaurant. I was like, man, this place is great. Do you guys have a loyalty program or something? Because I sincerely, I just want to be kept in loop. Like, let me know when to come by and like, remind me to come back and buy more of your stuff. They're like, oh no, we don't really do that. And like, we had this whole talk, but of course, six months later, they still don't do any of it. You know, or people that complain or come to me with a problem, like, all right, here's what you need to do. I had this happen the exact same day. Someone has spent a thousand bucks for me to do business diagnostic with them and I went through just an abbreviated version but man this person still got all the benefits of it four months later they hadn't lifted their finger on a single thing but the person that paid me a thousand bucks had everything taken care of so I don't know why that is I don't quite get it but it just is it is it is and it's a little sad as well so that's what a tax plan is now what about entity selection i mean we've got an international audience here every country's different obviously there's a lot of similarities across the spectrums but how can the wrong entity bite you in the butt is there a safe and like is it better to just be like a sole proprietorship as long as you can is it better to be i guess was an s corp if you got to pick something i mean obviously i guess the best is to talk to someone like you and get the right answer but how wrong can it go and are there any like for people that are listening that they're not talking to someone yet is there any sort of guidance or direction you can point them in no because there is no safe or harbor type of entity selection it really depends on what you're doing you may think the s corp Mm -hmm. may be perfect for you but it may not work for me okay right right. the same with the llc you know it also depends on what type of benefits if you have a medical expense reimbursement plan a section 105 plan you know what type of entity does that work best in do you have kids are they getting braces is it costing you a ton of money you are you older is it time for new teeth you know all those different things those affect the entity selection Mm, got it got it got it unfortunately there isn't a silver bullet Okay. Of course. No, no. Um, I didn't necessarily expect like a full answer, but like I imagine if there's a lot of people here, kind of like when I was first getting started, you know, I was told to just focus on surviving. So I didn't even worry about entity. I just registered a business as a sole proprietor and I hit the ground head down running type thing. And is that like a terrible thing to do? I mean, obviously, I guess all this is get on the phone and talk to someone. It's probably the worst 
entity to be if you're actually operating and making a little bit of money. Okay. That's probably the one thing I would say you probably don't want to be, okay, for a lot of different reasons. Sole proprietors have the highest rate of, you know, audit because the government knows most people that operate as sole proprietors, they typically don't do it right. They don't have separate bank accounts. There's a lot of things they're not doing right. So uh-huh. they're audited at a much higher rate than an LLC or an S corporation or a corporation. Okay. Uh-huh. So you have to look at all the facts and circumstances and figure out, okay, for this individual person, I could have a conversation with you and I could say, you know what, you should be an LLC. Okay. Right. And then I could have a conversation for somebody that may be in a very similar business, but his circumstances are a little bit different. And I may say, you know what, you should be an S corporation. Right. So is there a brief overview you can give for each one? If there's someone that's listening and they're not even sure? Sure. Okay. So a sole proprietorship is somebody that just decides to hang out a shingle. Okay. They may register with their local county. They may not. They're operating. They fill out a Schedule C. Then we have a limited liability company or a professional limited liability company, which if they're a single member, they would also file a Schedule C. Every dollar of net income is subject to self-employment tax. So that could be an impediment to keeping money in your pocket sometimes. Then we have S corporations where there's, you know, you need to take a reasonable salary, but everything after that is not subject to self-employment tax. So it really depends on how much money you're making, what you're doing, what the rest of your life is really like, because we want to fit into the different benefits that you're allowed to take. And some benefits fit better in certain entities versus others. Mm. Got it. No, that's good. It's a good overview because I think for people that are just listening, like something that jumped out for me, like when you said like the S Corp, I didn't realize that there was that difference because you hear about how you get double tax. You hear that all the time. You get double tax, double tax, double tax. But yeah. Not in an S Corp. In a C Corporation, you have double tax. Got it. So in an S Corporation, you know, it's tax. It's a flow through to the individual and they pay tax at the individual rate. Got it. Whereas the C corporation pays tax and then the only way to get the money out basically to you individually is via dividend or salary. So, you know, that's where the double taxation comes into play. Man, taxes. Yes, fun, fun. Well, you know, just even talking about this, I'm like, I work so hard for my money. The fact that I've got to control it and like try to get my money out, like just that, like, you know what I mean? Like if you plant a plant in the backyard, you go get it done. Anyway, that's all. I was just thinking about like, we don't need to go down on that tangent, but in my head, I was just like, just the layers and layers and layers of red tape and bureaucracy. For me, this stuff is like a nightmare. As an entrepreneur, I've run away from red tape and government anything because it's just the process. I just don't. I bounce around into walls and trip over things all the time. I'm just very much. (laughs) I like to tell people, you know, you make money doing what you do for a living. Right. Okay. You shouldn't be doing your bookkeeping, your taxes, your accounting. You should have a team. Okay. And that team doesn't have to be huge when you're just starting out. Okay. Mm -hmm. It just has to be the right people. So what do you need on a team? Well, you should have, depending on where you are, your accountant or CPA at the very least, and you have your attorney. And, you know, all these people don't have to be employees. They can be, you know, subcontractors that you use occasionally, monthly, weekly, depending on where you are. And as you grow, you know, there's different levels of service you can use. But you should have a team. We want to call them trusted advisors, Uh people you can go to, your own board of directors. Uh Uh 
And I love what you said there too, because it's about having the team. So if you look up the word entrepreneur in the dictionary, it says a person who organizes a business or businesses. What it doesn't say is the person who answers the phone, does the bookkeeping, mops the floors, delivers the product, does the marketing, right? That's not it. Handles the complaints. It's about organizing it together to produce a result. I think it's a key lesson to help people figure out as well, because I think a lot of people, and myself included, have built, I'm making air quotes here, businesses around a job that's not necessarily an actual business in terms of an entity that exists to serve others, right? It's something that gets me food on the table and fills my day with stuff to do so I feel productive. You know what I mean? And so I really just love how you talked about having to build a team because I think that's something we beat that drum a lot on this show about having to build a team because I think a lot of people get caught up in that and then all of a sudden they're getting close to retirement or whatever and they just have a job, you know, and they don't have an exit strategy. I already know, like, especially because we have all these baby boomers coming, there's a lot of tradesmen and stuff that think they have something they can sell to somebody else. In fact, a plumber. There's a guy that I know that there's an old timer plumber that's got this huge practice that he's trying to sell, but nobody wants to buy it because they know he's going to retire anyways and those contracts are going to be available. So they'd rather just wait till the guy retires and then fight for the contracts amongst them, right, the local plumbers and to pay this guy money to get guaranteed those contracts because there's no guarantee those contracts will even stay right after that guy is gone. Right. So there's just a lot there to consider for people that, again, like even this right here, if you're afraid, if you're like, how do I afford this? I really think that Craig gave you a great tip where you can just have them on either on retainer or just they're your go-to people that almost like a hairdresser or something, you know, like the person you go get your hair cut. You know, you're not paying them every day to keep on tab, but they get to know you over time, what you like. You know, they know your story, your interest. There's value in that that's hard to put a price tag on, to have a CPA or an accountant or an attorney that knows your business and knows the history and knows what you've done. You know, like that stuff, there's depth and there's value in that that's really hard to put a price tag on. I had a guy once try to cancel something for me. I was a coach consultant. He tried to cancel on me like the day, two days after his last payment was due because his wife had just had a baby and he was trying to like pull everything in. And I was like, dude, like I know you just had a baby and that's fine and I'm here for you, but you can't just do that because I've been following you for like a long time. Like, do you know what I mean? Like to do that to me, like, you know what I mean? Like the guy wasn't hurting. I don't want to make it sound like I took this guy's last payment. I understand what you're doing to prepare, but like be careful what you're doing because I'm supposed to be here to help you and you're about to throw me to the wolves out of fear and really everything's okay. Like you've been in business, you've been doing fantastic. We've had some great results this week. I'm so involved in your business. It's not a vending machine. Like, you don't give me a dollar and I spit something out. Like, that's not how it works. Like, I know your team. I know your team's team. I know your family stories. It's all this sort of stuff. And it was fine. He definitely got it after that. But at the offset, he didn't understand that. And I think that was a really powerful lesson. I think less women have issues with this. I think women understand the value of relationships more than men do sometimes. Do you agree? Disagree? How do you feel about that? I agree with the relationship. I'm not sure women and men and, you know, and who looks at the relationship differently, but I definitely think it's all about the relationship and, you know, working on your business. And if you have a coach, you know, I haven't met one business owner that has a coach that hasn't helped his business tremendously. Right. So, or I haven't met anyone that hasn't had a tax planner that wasn't grateful that they did it. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't save money from thinking of it in advance. Right. Right. So, but I think the thing that we're saying here for anyone that's afraid, this is actually probably, and if you're afraid to do this, this is almost like a good trial step into hiring your first team to help in your business outside of just tax planning and that to get comfortable with having go-to people that you rely on for fulfilling certain roles because your job is not to work 16, 20 hours a day. And if you can't do that in the 
the business you're in, you either need to figure out a way to get enough volume and business and scale that you can. So it might mean you have to really knuckle down for a month, two months to get those extra clients in and manage them enough. That way you have time to train somebody to kind of be your assistant and take some of the workload. A great example is a guy that drives cab, right? In the beginning, you're just trying to figure out how do I keep busy all day when, you know, when I'm driving. And then once he figures out how to keep busy, how do I get a second car going, right? Well, at some point, he's got to either get out of his car and let someone drive his car so that way they can get paid and he can look, right, and try to do whatever he can do to get that second car on the road. Or this guy's got to hustle and he's got to drive that car two shifts, right? That way he can build up the second shift to give to somebody else. So at some point, there's going to be a squeeze zone, but you got to get there somehow. You either got to share what you're making currently so you have the freedom to build it up, or you got to work a little harder to build up that volume so you can bring someone in and then get relief from it. And so I just wanted to use this as a bit of an instrument to say, hey, like if anyone's nervous about having an accountant or an attorney, look at that as training for hiring as well at the same time and slowly building that team. Who else would you recommend? Is there anyone else you would recommend they have for their team? Or is that kind of it? Do you just need an accountant? Do you need a bookkeeper? Should you have a bookkeeper on a regular basis and then a CPA you work with quarterly? It really depends on the size of your business. But, you know, when you start out, typically, you know, I like to see people where if they don't have a staff bookkeeper, they're working with a bookkeeper that's either part of their CPA's team or a referral from the CPA, so they really are part of the same team. Everybody is kind of integrated as far as that goes. I think having a good insurance person is important. Okay. Make sure you have all the bases covered when it comes to your liability, You know, whether it's your equipment, your property, your personal liability. That's usually the third piece of the team that we see. Mm, got it. So accountant, CPA, attorney and insurance person, right? Cover your liability insurance and all that. Right. And typically the accountant and CPA would be the same person. I just wonder if you come up with like a tagline, like the doomsday crew or something like that or something. Not even the doomsday crew, but like superheroes to prevent the doomsday. Because like all those things, like the lawyers to prevent, right? You have your shirt taken, especially if you're in California. God, I'm never... California is such a litigious... Such a lit, you look at somebody funny. They're like, I'm suing you. So you need a lawyer to like defend you from that, the accountant to defend you from the tax people, insurance to just defend you from people. I remember I had a martial arts school. This homeless look, the guy looked homeless when he came in. He smelt homeless. He asked for a tour of my gym and then faked a back injury, tripping over padded flooring and falling on padded flooring. Tripped on padded flooring, fell on padded flooring, claimed to hurt his back, wanted a hundred bucks to shut up and go away. I was like, here's a sandwich, get lost. <laughs> right. So do you feel that there are any habits then? Like what are the best habits that someone would have in working with their CPA? You say communicating with your CPA all year round. Does this have to be scheduled meetings? Is this on call? Is the shoebox method valid? Is that no, a good the, way? No, the shoebox no? method is not a good method. You know, okay. You want to have regular communication. And that could be emails. That can be meetings. It could be a combination Okay. Like in our office, you know, on a day-to-day stuff, there's a CPA or accountant that they're dealing with on a day-to-day stuff and they're dealing with me on the big picture stuff. Okay. What does that look like? Give me some examples. I mean, some of these people listening to this call, they might have never worked with someone. So what would I be communicating with you daily or weekly about? You know, like again. Bank reconciliations. What are different checks written for? Money income coming in. You have sales tax that's due. You have payroll taxes that may be due. Do you have the correct insurance in place because you're hiring people? It could be anything from, you know, people are purchasing equipment. They need tax returns. They need copies of this. They need copies of that. People typically don't 
keep copies of stuff on hand where they'll go to the person for the day-to-day stuff. And then they'll go to me for the bigger picture stuff. Like I'm thinking of purchasing something. How should we do this? Should we lease it? Should we purchase it? Should we finance it? Mm, mm. Ooh, that's a great example. Yeah, because it's always like, is it better to lease a vehicle or buy a vehicle? And everyone's got a different opinion on that. Right. So, right, right. And typically, if you're using it for business and you're using it, you know, more than 50% for business, at least in the U.S., you're going to get a bigger bang for your dollar leasing it, okay, versus purchasing it as far as taxes go. Why is that? Because there's a limit on the way they allow you to depreciate a personal vehicle. Oh, so if I buy it, I can only depreciate so much per year. But if I lease it, I can write off the full amount. You could write off a big portion of that. And there is an add back for leasing your vehicle. But the number is such a tiny number. It's almost ridiculous that it's actually in there to add back. Got it. Got it. Well, no, that's good because I actually leased my vehicle based on a, a mentor saying that I should do that. And I just trusted him. The guy does a few million a year. I'm like, all right, he says I should lease, I should lease. But I never actually knew why. <laughs> right. I knew it had something to do with the taxes, but I didn't really know why. So I'll find out in a couple of months. But that answers that. So, again, what are the best habits then? So the best habits are communicating, having this team, and making just a quick phone call or email to say, hey, I'm looking to buy a car. Hey, I'm hiring this person. What do I need to cons- – you know what I mean? Like Now, when it comes to hiring, how does tax play in? Why would I call you my CPA if I'm hiring someone? Well, you want to make sure, number one, is you have the income to justify hiring somebody. You want to know, okay, what is it going to cost me as far as tax-wise to hire this person? You know, Do I need to have benefits? Am I required to give them benefits? Mm. So what does that all add up to? And what's the difference there, I guess? How does it play in with like contractor versus employee? That's a huge thing I know, especially in this day and age. Everyone's using contractors, but they're working for you full-time in your business. Right, which is a big red flag, okay? okay. And it's a tough one to defend if you're not doing it correctly. So there's a whole long list of rules that you're supposed to abide by. And generally, if somebody is working for you exclusively for you and they're working in your business, they're an employee. And, you know, something around the corner can trigger something such as somebody getting hurt or you let them go and they decide to apply for unemployment benefits. And, you know, next thing you know, you owe some unemployment insurance and payroll taxes. So you want to make sure you're doing it right when you have them. If they're an employee, make them an employee. If they're an independent contractor, make them an independent contractor. Hmm. But do you have the budget to support them? What benefits do I need to pay them? What are my expenses going to be? In addition to hiring them, okay, now I need a desk. I need office space. I need a phone. I need another license for maybe some software that we're using. You know, those things all add up. Got it. Okay. So really, I mean, anytime you're doing something in your business, any sort of financial thing beyond kind of day to day, it's good to be able to ask, is there a smarter way to do this? Right. Are we unknowingly walking into a, a punch in the face? Right. And the strangest things, I mean, even, you know, people that we see that, you know, they're a little older and they're giving money to their parents and they're supporting the parents, you know, how can they do it legally and make that tax deductible? And I'm not talking about hiring your parents. So right. it's because you have the communication that you can figure something out. But if you don't have the communication, you know, the doctor doesn't call you up and say, okay, you're sick today, take some penicillin. Right. You need to communicate to him that you're sick. Right. And it works the same way with a CPA or an accountant. Got it. So what do you think really holds people back from getting started and working with a tax planner or for getting involved and taking a closer look at their taxes and all this? People hate taxes, so it's easy to bury your head in the sand and just work on other things and have to deal with the tax problem. 
Okay. Or it's, you know, I know I'm paying a lot of taxes, but I'm having a lot withheld, so I'm just going to keep burying my head in the sand and doing other, working on other things. Instead of saying, okay, you know, when was the last time my accountant came to me with an idea to save taxes? Or can you tell me some things I can do to save some taxes? Mm-hmm. And taking the time and, you know, maybe working through that pain and saying, figuring it out that you've worked through the pain. It's not as bad as you thought it would be. So it's just that fear of that unpleasant thing. But honestly, as a business owner, we really need to step up and actually step forward and take control. Because that's one of the things that I think I love about being a business owner is that, well, it just better prepares you. I think that's the best way to say it. You're better prepared. Because I know at least even with some of my team, they sometimes have a hard time balancing their and managing their own finances. But I have to manage my personal finances, my business finance, and I got to keep like a cushion for rainy day stuff or my employees suddenly has some sort of medical emergency. So anyone listening to this that's afraid, you know, don't be afraid so much. And honestly, this is the other thing too. To be honest, I think money mistakes are probably one of the safest mistakes you can make. I know it seems like it's a nightmare scenario and oh my God, the sky's falling and bills and phone calls and ah, and the stress. But a lot of that I think is self-inflicted. Really at the end of the day, if you've got your health, if you've got food in your stomach, you know what I mean? If you've got a safe place to live, I mean, some people don't even have a safe place to live. Do you know what I mean? Like you can always make more money. You can always make the money back. You can always go get a job. You can always go do something else. There's always that. And whenever people talk about that and they have a ton of scarcity, there's no money and no nothing. Like it almost upsets me because if you look around you on the streets, everybody walking around you has a bank account and has some money. Every human being you see, when you're driving or stuck in rush hour traffic, all those cars around you are filled with money. Everybody in each of these vehicles, oh my God, there's a global recession. Oh my God. Everybody still has money, but why should they give that money to you? What are you going to help them with? So that's something that I think money mistakes, if you have that perspective and you realize that if you just are willing to help people, people will compensate you for it. And then you don't have to be so afraid so much about how you're going to do it and just be willing to do the work and not just like, oh, I just want to go home, have a beer and watch my TV. Like, sure, that sounds like it's great, but I'm sorry, but the survival of the fittest and on an evolutionary scale, drinking beer and watching TV puts you near the bottom half of that list as far as who's pushing to try and make the other edge. Doesn't mean it's wrong, doesn't mean you can't do it, but it does mean that you shouldn't be afraid of making money mistakes because you can always make the money back. A health mistake, you can't always get your health back. You know, you ruin a great relationship with a son or a daughter or a family member or a parent. You know, those can leave scars that last for years and years and years on end. But a money mistake, I think, you know, just like Craig is saying, a lot of us make it bigger in our minds than it really is or needs to be. And so I think just by shining light on it, suddenly you have this big wave of relief. It's not an issue anymore. It's been taken care of. And then you don't have to worry or have that knot in your stomach about this big hammer that's going to fall on your head someday, right? Most definitely. So what do you see as the future of your industry? Do you see this going anywhere? I mean, how is this going to evolve? I mean, there's international businesses everywhere now, a lot more online businesses. And how do you handle that? I have a client that's moving out of the U.S. to a different country because they're supposed to pay separate tax depending on which state people bought the products from, all this sort of thing. Where do you see the future of all this going? I mean, I know Britain wanted to impose some sort of tax on all online sales. Where do you see the future of this? Where do you see things being in five 15, 30 years from now? Well, I mean, globalization is taking place, and I see it now. We have clients all over the country, okay? Uh And we have a little niche in international clients that actually come to the U.S. to set up businesses. So it's definitely globalization. You need to be able to pivot, as you could say, and be flexible and do what needs to be done. But I don't worry about the turbo taxes of the world. That's not our market. 
And mm-hmm. I think the computer is a wonderful thing, okay, right. and the Internet. Do you see a lot more tech stuff being streamlined? Do you see there being a need for more personal one-on-one hand-holding because of how things are developing and progressing, because of how it's becoming more complicated? Do you see more people maybe setting up remote businesses, even though they're operating in the U.S.? Like I think there's always going to be a need for the terrible taxes out there for the individual W-2 type of uh-huh. individuals. But you're always going to need the higher-level accountants and CPAs and tax planners for the people that are actually making money. Mm, mm, so, mm, mm. Yeah, so you, you know, the tax code is huge, and you know, there's a lot of information you have to know. And the proliferation of TurboTax and stuff like that, H&R Block, I don't see that as a threat. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just not the business we're in. Right, right, right. Fair enough. So if anyone's enjoyed this, if anyone has any questions for you, Craig, how can they reach out to you? What's one of the best ways to get in touch? Well, our website is Company, And if they go to forward slash best business, which I believe you will have on your website, they can request a copy of our latest book, 10 Most Expensive Tax Mistakes that cost business owners thousands. We'll mail that out to you. Our office phone number is 516-869-4051 if they want to contact us direct. But I'd like to offer all of your listeners a copy of our most recent book. That's awesome. Thank you. And so to get that, they need to go to www.craigcodyandcompany.com forward slash best business. There we go. CraigCodyandCompany.com forward slash best business. Pick up a copy of the book. Craig, thank you so much for joining us. I sincerely and truly appreciate the time and your expertise coming here and sharing openly and hopefully helping some people avoid those nightmare scenarios and save a little bit more money that they work so hard for. So thank you so much. All the best to you and your loved ones. Is there anything else I should have asked you before we end the call, though? Is there anything else that you wanted to say? I think we've kind of covered it all. And um, just if you're on the fence, just think, when was the last time my accountant came to me with an idea to save taxes? Uh And Uh that'll put you on one side of the fence. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Craig. Appreciate you and have a wonderful day. Thank you. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.